Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of UE's 122. Today, I am so, so happy to, to announce that we have um, Mark Roan and Jay Little Biggle sitting in the studio with myself and Daryl. Um, we'll start off with Mark. Thank you for joining us. Um, how are you doing? How are you finding 122? Um, I like 122. I like the idea for it even started. I think that Ewing's needed for a long, long time a game where there's no bias towards certain sides at the start and where your money doesn't get you a, a preferential position. I like the game. I've enjoyed it so far. Gaiton's really tough. Suits me well. Do you do you feel that? I mean, we're jumping straight into the questions, but do you do you feel that um, that's the reason why you joined One Two Two? It was basically because of that balance within the game, because obviously it's a legends game and it's not something that you usually join. You're usually a hard format manager, but um, it, it, was that the appeal to you? Uh, no, I joined the the first legends game, One One Nine. I took Convert in that one, um, but I left after a season simply because I I left UE for a little while. I had no problem with the, the Legends format at all. Um, but this one, yeah, I was particularly attracted by the idea of it being a more balanced start. So that, you know, I, I've always hated in any game where you have teams who are really central to everything. They control the market. They're central to everything. Everybody goes to them, buys their rubbish rather than decent players from regular sides. And I just thought that this gave an opportunity for it to be a little more... Level, level playing field. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I fully understand that because what, what happens in a lot of hard format games is Man United, Man City, Arsenal, they're all in a lot of debt and then people are buying their 87 away players for, for max and uh, getting them out of debt very, very quickly and then they don't even use those players in season two, what, even halfway through season one. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a real stickler. So yeah, no, I definitely do appreciate that. Um, Jay, going over to you, my friend. How are you doing? How are you finding one two two? Well, I've taken a back seat in one two two. This is more Dad's team than mine because Dad decided he wanted to choose it, and I took a little bit of a back seat. But I have started to blend into it a bit more now. So the last couple of weeks, I've had a bit more of an influence. What with Mum being ill in hospital, but yeah, one two two. I love the concept again. Like Mark said, the fact that there isn't trace of the unsustainable stats. I know in your case, obviously, someone wanted a nine-speed anchor man, but they don't exist. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the concept of it. I think it's a bit top-heavy to start. Certain strikers have seemed to be scoring for fun, but then that could be the fact that the opposition hasn't got any defence. I think the way Ben has balanced it, some leagues have got all the attackers, some leagues have got a decent midfield, some leagues have got decent defenders. So we will see what transpires from here on in. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do see that. I definitely do see some some leagues having uh, better diff areas of the pitch than than other leagues. Um, in terms of yourself, obviously, where your dad's obviously running the team a little bit more than than you, are you looking at possibly taking on a second team in in turn ten, um, and maybe managing that a little bit more no, yourself? No, it isn't. Like, no, Sorry, what? it's more down to time. Um, okay. When Vika takes up a lot of time in one two one, and I hadn't really told Dad that it was more his team than mine, but uh, yeah, he'll know that now. <laughs> um, yeah, I will. No, I'll stick with Besiktas and um, take the glory of a Champions League trophy at the end of season one. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, as per usual, every week we've got a big Dazzle Daz sitting in the corner. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good this week. Busy. Good, good week. Busy. Good week. Yeah, busy. Um, yeah, from a... From a UE point, yeah, as well. I mean, the Charlton thing is uh, is interesting, yeah, because I think I take the game a bit more serious now than maybe I have done for a long, long time. Um, so I'm actually like trying to figure out like, why I'm just drawing a lot instead of just accepting it and bouncing on. So yeah, like it's it's been good, and I had to obviously have a chat with you about it. But yeah, I am actually uh, I'm enjoying UE again. It's it's funny when you I always thought it was meant to just be a laugh, but actually when you take a bit serious you know, i can still have a laugh you actually still get quite a lot of enjoyment out of it so yeah i'm enjoying it yeah um mark in regards to yourself obviously you're known within the game as as being quite a master tactician as well as knowing how to buy players for max prices um in your specialities there um how do you feel like 
you've worked on those areas and and is there any advice that you could give to other managers um maybe ones that are just starting the game or ones that have been in the game for a long time and and still struggling without giving your secrets away that is i'm not there's no there's no secret you can't there's nothing you do now the, the die is cast pretty much back in the day of uh, game 99 every player of a certain age pv and oa they all had the same max values and so it's very, very easy and predictable at that stage to, to buy and sell. And I remember every every game I could go out and buy who I wanted at max. Nobody seemed to notice it for ages. And I remember having people telling me I should be banned from the game and all this sort of stuff. But when when they're predictable like that, it gives you a chance to look at number patterns. And so I worked out all the number patterns. And so it gave me the ability then to ladder across. If you know that every eight you know, point PV or OA allows you to move a certain amount percentage-wise, then you can go up. So when players like Neymar hit the game week one, it was you just had to find someone of the same age and just use all your multipliers to get up to it. Everyone says there's algorithms and things. There probably are, but I use a calculated piece of paper. But um, the, the fact that people were then able to just go out and bid a predictable max all the time led to Ben changing the game around 112, maybe just after that, I think. And um, that, that means that everybody's, you know, every player fits within a bracket. There's a, a certain percentage of leeway, as you know, every player is their own individual. But there is still predictability about how those players move. So say, for example, if you, you buy a player and his max value is X, if he goes up a point in OA or PV, I know all the multipliers, how to work out what he's gonna, his new value will be. So realistically, it just gives me an insight into how those things work. It's it's much more difficult now. Nobody can guarantee that they can hit max on any player now. I can get pretty close, but there's always a chance that you leave leeway and you can get outbid. Yeah. So the chance, the chances of anybody learning secrets now are gone. If you, if you know how to get close, you still can, but otherwise you're not going to learn anything now. And most people are going to be miles out. Yeah, well, look, I, I mean, as of the last two weeks, I got Milner uh, last week, and um, and then this week I missed out on... <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I missed out on... Um, who was the striker that I just got? Giroud. I missed out on him about, about 400k. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit like you. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close. I do understand some of the variables and things yeah. like that, so that's really good. Um, how are you finding? Obviously, me and you have been in the game for 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 quite some time, as long with the other two that are in this chat. Um, how how do you feel that the master tactic has come into the game? Um, how do you feel that the those changes within the game's um, sort of engine, so so to speak, ha, has has improved um, since since we were managing long long time ago? Yeah, I think I joined in game ninety two. I think James turned up in ninety. Three. You probably correct me later. He normally tries to. Um, Everyone. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all his students, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think master tactic allows great flexibility. You don't have a lot of flexibility in in defensive tactics because you should. He says, thinking about something absolutely weird he saw last week. You, you have to pick a marking tactic. So this just gives you the opportunity then to develop your defensive side. It it gives you the chance to be more defensive in midfield. If, for example, you're playing a wing-back system because there is a, a massive mismatch in the game now where teams playing wingers and full-backs are active and teams playing wing-backs have to be reactive. That's um, that's quite a change to the way things used to be there, and it allows more subtlety everywhere. And, you know, the fact that you can double up, it does. That's quite a clever idea. That makes you, you know, if you're playing aerial bombardment, if you're one of the hit and hope four five one merchants, it gives you a chance to lump the ball even more into the box. And if you, if you wish to use that in a more subtle way and try and get something out of your players. Well, I think it appeals to those playing a more expansive type of football. It's a really it's a really clever but subtle move. And sometimes, of course, it demands that you don't use a, a, an extra tactic, a master tactic. That can be equally as effective, leaving it out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good point. So going back to, to your point there in regards to 
wingbacks being a reactive system and, and, and fullbacks and wingers being a proactive system. Um, could you just expand on that slightly? I don't, like I said, I, I never want you to give away your secrets too much, but well, what would you mean by that? Um, the fact that pretty much if you're facing a team playing wingers, um, fullbacks, you are, and you're a wingback side, you're pretty much forced to play support defence. Otherwise, you're not going to get any sort of result at all. So the problem with that is it does tend to make you're in a very defensive mindset. And and this has certainly affected me poorly in game one, two, you know, game one, two, one, where I've pretty much disappointed myself in a lot of ways. I know I've been relatively successful, but I've been pretty disappointed because I'm forced to play a certain way. Um, the, the wing-back system used to be quite an expansive game. Your sweeper was very, very much a, an auxiliary midfielder would come out. He'd generally score goals. But I found that you, you crab up playing wing-backs. Now, in, we've had four seasons in 1-2-1 one, one now. So I'm seeing that it's, it's slackening off a bit now. Wing-backs are becoming a more successful format. But the first few seasons, crikey, it was all you could do to hang on to the lump ball game. It was dreadfully, dreadfully mis- you know, unbalanced. Yeah. I, I think I think Ben's noticed a lot of things within the engine where, where he's changed stuff and, and, and tried to correct it. So, I mean, I think at the beginning, the 3-5-2 was very, very, um, very, very good. I mean, you won a lot of games with it. No one could beat it, regardless of playing play to wings, um, because I think there was a problem within the engine, which he fixed. Um, and I think, and I think it has got better over time. But no, I do, I do see where you're coming from in terms of, of, of the problems that that it still faces. Yeah, you, you, I mean, credit, credit to Ben because he's more uh, responsive now as a single entity running the game than when there were the two of them previously. When Justin and that was with him, they seem, they seem to get less further down the road of. Uh, understanding our problems, um, changing things, addressing issues than he does on his own. I think he's doing a really good job. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, and he does actually listen to the podcast every week as well. So uh, things that pop up in here, he does, he does take into consideration as well. I mean, if you think about the, um, the reserves and the youth MDS, I mean, we've covered it previously, but uh, that was an idea that came from us and, and now it's implemented in the game. So... So it is, it is good that he's listening to the customer and the wider audience, um, which helps. Um, uh, you're yeah. about the fact that you've added, or he's added, um, the extra action spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a conversation that we had, and it was, it was an idea that we, yeah. that we spoke about for, for quite some time. And I think it's a great move in the game, because I think having, having 10 action spot, spots and so much stuff that happens in that action slots and only having 10 of them, I, I don't know. I just think there's some things where if you just want to drop someone to the reserve team, it should just be part of the reserve MDS, just personal opinion. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, James has been he's been pushing for that. I have to be fair to him, pushing for that for at least five years, as I can recall. And yeah. uh, and it, it does. I mean, the, you, can have the, you can't possibly have a game where running your youth team and reserve team doesn't have its own space. Because there's a lot of managers now only run the first team. They've still got the same 10 spaces as a manager trying to juggle three balls. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Jay. Yes, um, much Much like Mourinho or, or Sam Allardyce, um, you're, you're known, obviously, for, for, for your defensive football. Now, let, let me expand. I mean, Klopp's obviously pressing person. Pep does his passing and attacking. And you, you have your own renowned tactic, which is which I think is is good for, for, for the game in terms of how you play and you're very difficult to, to break down. Um, it's obviously served you really well throughout the game. How do you feel you are... Cha- do you feel like you're changing slightly? Do you feel like that tactic is, is what you will always go to right at the beginning of a game and then, and then build off it and then try and maybe change as the game goes on? Or what sort of manager would you say you are? The defensive football is a myth. Looking back at the old turns, when you asked me to look up a few bits and pieces, it's only really with Benfica that I've actually gone defensive. 
Okay. So I've also there. But um it's a style of play I've always liked. I've always enjoyed watching Germany, Italy in the World Cups, the way that their defences and everything used to set up used to be something that I enjoyed just as much as, you know, you've got a player that can go and beat six, you know, much as I like attacking football, but all good teams are built from the back. And I think if you build from the back and build your team forward, it gives you that opportunity to do something different. It is different to a lot of other people's systems, but I think that's more a case of, I tried to go in the beginning of one, two, one, I flopped massively. I, Changed my scope in one twenty, trying to get the perfect players and chasing untrainables and not going down the road of essays. So I went more down the potential route and flopped massively. Essays were a new thing that were brought into the game. In the previous games that we played, one oh seven, we played wing backs with left and right forward in a four four two. In Cologne, we played a four four two diamond fullbacks and wingers. One one seven, we played four five one with Real Madrid. So we try to look at the team as we get it when we first receive it, see what kind of formation that is built into the team already and then build from that. That's how I tend to build a team. Okay, so would you would you stay like that formation? So let's say the team that you got, Benfica, for example, everyone that was in, it was a wing-back system. Would you stay wing-backs or would you look at trying to swap them and 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 get your fullbacks in because like I, if I ask David a question, he's going to be like, "I'm getting rid of them. I'm going four five one. I know what I'm playing." No, I play with what what I'm given, and then build from that. Okay. I would always, if I've got wing backs in the team, I'll play wing backs. If I've got wingers, I'll go with the winger system. The interesting thing in Besiktas is that they've got two very very good youth team wingers, and Dad started playing wing backs, but he has got two really top youth team wingers. But at the moment. What with fullbacks being such a very rare commodity to start with, which is all good because obviously we don't want the untrainables being ridiculously high to start a game. Um, it's something that he can maybe look into and possibly explore in season three or season four. And we may revert to fullbacks and wingers. But then again, like I said, I've only been actively really taking an eye on the success for the last three, three or four weeks, nothing more. So that's where we are with it, really, so to speak. Okay. Darrell, anything on that? Uh, no, no, I think it's all good. Yeah. I, I always, yeah, I, I'm a four-five-one guy, as you know. I think everyone knows, but it's just the way people play in it, I suppose. But yeah, I'm, I will, I will make a four-five-one out of somewhere, give someone a chance and stuff. But yeah, I normally go with what I've tried in one-two-two to be a bit more flexible. I've got right and left forwards. I need to get a couple of wing backs. I want to try and be more flexible. How seems chance I can get, but. Struggling a little bit for time, but yeah, I am trying to be a bit more flexible with options that I've got than I've ever been before. One thing I would love to be able to do with Besiktas, which is a possibility but it's not the easiest thing to do in the world, is find wing-backs that can play as wingers as well and then be able to change during the game from a 5-3-2 to a 3-5-2 or vice versa. Yeah, see, this that's where I was going to come in. So, like, for me, the way that I build my teams, I'm a 4-5-1 person as well. However... Um, especially with Brighton and, and um, Nathan will tell you, what I try to build is I try to have wing-backs as well and I try to have uh, a centre-forward target man and right and left forwards. So it allowed me to be able to change when I needed to change and change depending on the opponent as well. Um, so like the last five turns of 1-2-1, of, um, we, were, we were changing. We're, so one week we were playing wing-backs, the next week we were playing wingers. So um, I, I do try and build a little bit of both, but right at the beginning, I think when the game first starts, regardless of what the team is, I'll, I'll do a Daryl and go straight four five one, and then build off that. I funny you should say that. The only reason we originally went four five one with Real Madrid was everyone's insistence that Cristiano Ronaldo at the time was a free roll, and we were convinced he was a winger. And the other thing was the, we only had two recognised strikers. One was Benzema. And the other one was Jesse Rodriguez, who could play a midfield as a free roll, but was absolutely nothing as a striker with like seven aggression and about six, five or six vision. So we decided to go on the four or five one route and use Benzema as the focal point of the team. And that's why we tend to build teams the way we build them. Yeah, which is fair. 
Um, on another subject, Roan, obviously you are uh, a quiet man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll say that in a nice way, in a, in a complimentary, in complimentary way. Um, you're not on any of the WhatsApp groups um, and you haven't been for, for, for quite some time. Um, how do you feel about it? And what, what do you feel is your advantage or disadvantage when, when it comes to not being part of, of, of the group that, that has buys and sells and, and conversations in daily? Okay, uh, I've never been part of a WhatsApp group. Um, it's it's a, a form of media that doesn't interest me particularly. Um, I don't need contact with other people um, through the game. Uh, I, you know, I've been warned off by other people saying you just get barraged with loads of messages. And to be honest, I can do without that. This is this is a pastime, isn't it? So I can function quite well without doing any deals. You can you can win, and, and Daryl's testified on there before that whichever game it was, I had a team in Scotland and Kilmarnock, yeah, and won the top division without doing any deals. I wasn't allowed to buy or sell. Just your try list, you had it. He was the only one to yeah. allowed to sign. Yeah, yeah. He pipped me. Yeah. I finished second to that. <laughs> yeah, but you had, you had a good side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, and it was it was really good to like. To, to watch that, you know, because it just showed, I think it was a good lesson, like the game can be as basic or as difficult as you want it to be. I think it was good for me to watch, you know, you only say signing trialists meant that it was all tactical, you know, from your side, like that whole game really is being clever, you know? So. Yeah. So I, I think there, there's a, there's a lot of discussion that comes behind that. So it's a really good insight guys. Um, Roan, in the last three games, right, you've won five league titles, one FA Cup, one Champions League. Do you feel you have could have done more? Do you feel um, that, you, that you won enough? I mean, you were the top three in the game for, for quite some time. And I know you alluded on it a little bit earlier in terms of you, f- you feel like you could have done more in, in some aspects. But what, what do you think was missing? In which game are you referring to? Well, in all the games. In all the last three games yeah. you, you've been in, before, previous okay. one two two. Well, I've won an awful lot more than you just listed because I've won Champions League in each of the last four hard format games. So okay. There you go. The, these, are, these are stats that I've been given, by the way. Yeah, it's probably Jay. What he does is he takes my victories and gives them to himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I've won the Champions League, Mark. Please, that's my holy grail. I can't take that away from you. I think I'm trying, which which was which was the Legends game. What was that? One one nine. One one nine. Whichever the previous two was. One one seven was the previous Champions League game, and it was the Champions League final that year was a brilliant game or a brilliant moment. It wasn't much of a game because it was myself against Dave Hammond, and both of us had won the Champions League in '99. And in 107, and in 112, and so we headed off, you know, in the in the final there for the first one to get four on the trot, and uh, wow. I, I'm, and I think I won the game, and I don't think he it didn't make a return that week for some reason. I can't remember. <laughs> what, <laughs> so, yeah. Although I won, he totally he totally ripped the grass from under my feet because <laughs> you can't claim anything when no one puts a turn in. Um, this, yeah, I mean. I've always played and, and had an attacking format. And this year, uh, in one two one, I've been really quite negative. If you look at it, I've, I've achieved what I've achieved through defensive success because my team's completed nothing. But currently, I'm in second place, I think, in, in the top division. And only two of the relegation candidates have scored fewer goals than me. I mean, my highest scorer, Sarmiento, who's got genius on him, has got seven goals less in the whole season than Kasaragi's got in seven weeks in game one to two, which is a bit of a fiasco in, in respect of how many Kasaragi scored more than how many mine's restricted to. Um, like I said, I think I've gone in with too negative a mindset. I think I've crabbed up in this game because it's the fear of losing it to, to teams playing wingers because this year, most of the goals I can see are to headers from left midfielders. I don't know why, but that keeps happening again and again. Their left midfield with his six heading comes steaming at the back post and scores a goal. But 
the crop is normally supplied by the target man. Dolp. I'm not quite sure how it works or why it works against me. But it's... So th- I, f- I think this is a conversation that Terry brought up previously where his, his forwards were going out wide and then his wingers were coming in and getting the goals for him. Yeah, Costa, weren't it? Crossed for Andy Robertson. Yeah, Costa was crossing for yeah, his wing back, Costa which I found really... Andy Robertson, he didn't like. And it's weird because, as I say, the 4-5-1 I play, I would expect that, but I guess it's how we interpret the game, isn't it? Do you think? Do you think that's the engine thing? Do I, well, I, sometimes I read the match report and I wonder how much correlation there is between what you read uh, and what actually goes on. Whether you're just getting some sort of appraisal of the game that doesn't have much connection to it, you know, whether the computer churns out a result and then a generic printout's made. I don't know how it works, but. The fact that I've got two 10 heading centre backs and they're being outjumped by a six heading wide midfielder drives me absolutely mad. But still. But do we think that the more of that, so I always wondered, is the more of that coming from the goal is coming because of the cross being able to and then all the other, like that makes the goal? I always wondered, like, is it because like the cross has made it so it's then just words and person on the end of it more than the stats? Yeah, it could it could well be. It's it's like the black magic box of chocolate yes, yes. in the 70s. Who knows the secret, eh? Yeah, I've always thought, I've... yeah, a goal like that, it comes from the cross. And so, like, the computer said, okay, this cross has been successful, so it's going to be a goal. And then whoever's on the end of it, for me, is just, like, randomly. But, but do you, do you not think, do you not think that the cross should be based on the, the tax? So it, it should have variables, the same way that the the max prices are variables and everything else are variables. So perfect example is uh, if they're playing play to wings, that has an additional variable to, to obviously crossing the ball because that's what's happening. And then if you're playing zonal marking, then you have less chance of um, clearing the ball than you would have of man marking because See, obviously you're tighter to the, play, you're tighter to the players. To, yeah, I don't I, think both look, of them will come into one report though from the thing so my guess yeah. would be i think mm-hmm. it's if you're playing play to wings that the goal will come just from the cross and it could be nine control beats eight control cross is successful gonna be a goal i don't think it, i don't think all of them come into every every like report in the match report myself no there's probably a great deal of uh, truth in that. Uh, also, you know, I take issue with what you said, Faddy. I think if you're playing zonal mark and then your men mark space, and so they're always in position to clear a crop, whereas man mark and they could be dragged out of the way, possibly yeah. over to the wing where there's no need for them to go. So it defies a little bit of logic. But as as Daryl said, I, I think sometimes it's just the way it fits. Coefficient will play a big part. I think there has to be a massive luck coefficient in every aspect of the game. So, you know, whether there's, you know, you get a you, almost like a lucky Dungeons and Dragons dice, one to 20 gets rolled each week and says, oh, you're not lucky this week. And some, some weeks it goes with you and some weeks it doesn't. has to be luck in the game. There has to be weeks where you get wound up by your result. Otherwise, it just becomes a straight battle of statistics. And- no, and, and I'm 100% with you. And I think that dice is actually in the game. I, I, I really, really do. Um <laughs> Uh, there, there's a lot of games that have this dice. World of Warcraft has an RNG dice when it comes to looting systems. Dungeons and Dragons has it as well. And and there's loads of games in the world of, of gaming that has that type of system. And mm-hmm. I would be very, very surprised if, if this game doesn't have it because of the way that it's played. Like, I mean, I've absolutely dominated games in terms of possession, 60, 70%, right? Had more shots, but I've lost the game 1-0. Yeah. Because... It happens. I mean, England were were terrible yesterday against against Italy. But I always thought, but they had more possession and and they were controlling the game. But I just always thought Italy could hit them on the counter and, and get something out of it. I always thought that oh, do you know what? They might lose one 0 here because it it just happens. It's natural in in, in football. Just a thought, though, or bearing this in mind, do you not think going back to this crossing into the box six heading wing back winger? cutting into the box do you think it is a case of the where the centre back has gone to cover where the wing back's been beaten the cross has gone in early the other centre back has moved forward to them the cross at a lower point of trajectory and left the space behind for the wing the wing back or the winger to cut inside and it's not a towering header as such it's more cases of a flicking at the far post yeah right place right time sort of thing 
I like Daryl's explanation a lot better. I think that, yeah, again, I think that's just too much for, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't tinker much with the computer system itself, does it? So I think we put too much thought into it. I honestly think it's, you play and play to wings, this cross is one, it's a name on the end of that cross. And I that's think right. that's how some of the goals go for me. So it will highlight a tactic like that maybe you've got, like maybe play to wings. So it's matched up right winger, left back, nine crossing beats, eight. So play to wings works, so cross was successful, goal. And then it's just words generated to make it sound like football. It is, because if you read, if you read the reports, the same lines come up again and yeah. again. Yeah. And, and so, so like, it's, I think, yeah. That's, yeah. I could be wrong. But it's, as you say, it's a, it's an enigma wrapped in a riddle, hide in a box. And, yeah, and someone's already theories. can't claim that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I wouldn't I be, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be in denial to say that you, you're right, Daryl. Um, I, I think I think there that there is a lot of truth into what you're saying. However, how would you explain, right, control or or crossing or play to wings, whatever? But how would you explain having ten heading centre backs against a six heading winger? But that, like, no, no, that will be if the if the computer generates the match highlight that involves the yeah. aerial bombardment tactic or that. So I'm just saying that I think some of them is just it's like one and then it goes into the players in that position for myself i don't think all six are in play at every single line of match report i think it's like so you so you think it's just so so one line could be this against this yes and because this is better than this that that's why it's happening it doesn't matter about line will be that against that and whatever one's better like for me or if they match do you know what i mean and then the luck bit comes into it at the end if it's going to be goal or not that's what i've always thought yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think that I think the standard line. I think Daryl's probably quite right there. I mean, for example, this week in one two two, uh, the line where that player X bursts past so and so, leaving him for dead. Well, it was a six speed player on his team against the nine speed on mine. So it it probably is just a generic line that comes up. The names get put in, and sometimes you know the names should be changed to protect the innocent. Very interesting. I've never thought about the game like that. Never. So it makes you makes you completely think outside of the box now. And and I always thought about the element of of, of luck and, and things like that because like I said, it's in every game. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. But yeah, it makes you think completely outside of the box now. And that's the thing, a lot of it is our own interpretation. I've always said that. It's, it's probably not as difficult. It's it's our interpretation, you know, like, you know, saying target man crossing for somebody else in the way that I imagine I've set my team up in the 4-5-1 that I would expect to read that target man putting crosses is going out wide and doing everything. Do you know what I mean? But where I wouldn't. So... Sorry, I was going to say, you also have to consider that control is a target man PV stat. That means he's going to beat the player with the ball at his feet. So it stands the reason that he would put a cross into the box. Exactly. That's where I think, like, so on that example, you're playing play to wings. Your target man is, you know, got better control or something. I just, yeah, I always think it's it's broken down, like, sort of one tactic versus one line sort of thing. I'm I'm sort of looking at, um, like, the, the rule book right now. And... Obviously, there, there's some things in there. i give you an example when it comes to, like, keep possession because that's just a, a standard thing. Obviously, your players have got to have um, good good vision so that you can break down stubborn defences. So would that be, when you're saying in terms of your line, would that be vision versus support defence or would it be vision against a stat? Like, how, how would you think that the game sort of works that out in terms of that commentary? That were that question well, for you, man. I haven't really given it that much thought. I'm no. not, I'm not going to like, I, I, because I don't, I've never been one where I think it's as complicated as I listen to some of people say. I, I honestly don't. And I don't, I like some of these like tactical conversations I've listened to in discords and on forums and stuff. Never <clears> really. I, I don't, I'm not saying that they're wrong and I'm not saying that it, it's not, it's just never been how I thought the game is. Like, I think people have overthought the game over time to a point where now they've created this thought 
that this is a computer program that I doubt Ben has touched the whole time almost that he's been playing it. So you'd have to imagine how far things have evolved. And maybe he's tweaked. Can't imagine it's been drastic changes. So you've got to remember like when it started. So for me, I, you know, maybe it, maybe the vision and the untrainable stats kick the the commentary off into like, okay, it's going to be this play to wings thing because it was stronger. Maybe they are the, the bit of the luck element or something or the stronger element to sway it in your favor to to make that commentary go because you've got a better control player maybe it's something like that but yeah again i've I've never thought it's it's much deeper than you play in play to wings boom we'll do a control v control on the two players that come up very interesting um maybe so obviously we, we we covered some of 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 mark's successes um in terms of the four champions leagues we we will revert back and and just correct that number um but jay jay obviously you've won quite a bit as well in terms of of the last few games in terms of league titles fa cups you've got two uefa cups but you've never won the champions league i know this is something of a stickling point but um the amount of trophies that you've won is obviously putting you up there with with some of the elite managers but how do you think you fare in terms of the game um, I think pre one one nine, I can't thought what I did. Um, I changed my mindset in one one nine. In one one nine with the Legends game, I didn't chase names, but on stats, and it didn't see me through. I couldn't get a deal for love or money because nobody wanted players that they hadn't heard of or didn't class as a inverted commas legend. So the game went a bit stagnant on that viewpoint. I made a huge hash of 120 with Nottingham Forest. I know where I went wrong. I didn't go wrong with players. I just didn't embrace the SA element of the game. And I took that kind of element into me, into one two one at the beginning, then stripped it all back, reread the rule book, went through it with Dad in massive detail and turned it around that way. So it's the Champions League that I want. I, I haven't won it. I've been to one final. With PSG, I had almost the perfect season in season two and lost to a 93rd minute injury time winner from Lukaku when I played Gary Richards at Spurs. So I'd like to think I could I look at every game that I played with something I could have done different. And now it's a case of hopefully kicking on if I can scrape into the Champions League in one to one, I'm really going to push for it next year. Yeah. Dara, have you won the Champions League? No, just FA Cup and a league tap. Okay. Unfortunate. No, um... I, don't, I don't try. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a big deal to me. <laughs> yeah. I take um... it you are. Uh, Sorry, you were one as up, weren't you? And the only manager in the game, wasn't it? Or something? In the Champions League? You. Me? No, I'm I've won the Champions League. I'm though. teasing, mate. I know you've won it. It's all right. That is it's I'm I'm up there. I've won the Champions League, won the UEFA Cup. I've won I've won every trophy that this game actually offers. Not one oh seven, one one two, or one one seven. In one oh in one oh seven, I won uh, treble, uh, UEFA Cup, uh, cup and and league. Have you won one oh seven? I was I was uh, in at Milan. What one oh seven? Was it one oh seven? I would I'd like so, to say one oh seven. I'd like to say you're wrong. Well, I was in Sorry, Milan, anyway. one, one of those games. Maybe 105? 105. 105. Uh, it was uh, 107. 107, I was someone else, yeah. 105, 107, I won everything. You were like annoying, I think, because my dad got a player called Danny van der Heide off you. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't class myself as an elite manager, but I would like to say I'm, I'm considered up there somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, consider themselves elite do, do we really elite uh, I don't what would you consider what would you consider elite what would you say is an elite manager um <laughs> I, I don't know they must be playing something else <laughs> football manager yeah, yeah. they're on the PC yeah. <laughs> I think the elite, the elite myth is there um there are managers that are better at the game than others but that's because they are able to maybe like you said Mark's got the tactic side um, but there is no right or wrong way of playing the game as such 
and a lot of people put themselves in an elite category, but they want to disregard everything that happened in the game before they joined. Now, there are other managers that go on about game 87 as being the greatest game that's ever been existed in the entire history of UE, yet none of us four have ever played it. <laughs> so we yeah. can't comment on what that game was all about. You can then look about exploits in 118 by other managers, and they ran some of the top sides in the game. But again, if I've, it's all about a competition. People say levels. People say competition. But... Every dog has its day. Everyone can turn around and say they've had a side that has done brilliantly well. But you shouldn't disregard what other managers have done in previous games just because you weren't around there to see it. You know, yeah. we're all playing with the it's, same it's, game. The same it, yeah, it's, it's always been a weird conversation for me. Like, the, the elite, is it because you win? I always have the feeling that, you know, I've always had a feeling that I've always been quite annoying to play against because you're not really too sure what will turn up. And I've played every game since 100. I don't count my successes on trophies one and stuff. Have I still enjoyed myself? Have I upset the apple cart for a couple of people? Sure. Do I get more fulfillment out of that? Yeah. Have I ever taken a top team? The biggest team I took was Feyenoord and we walked the league when I took that. That's the biggest team I've ever managed in the entire game. And I walked the league. You know what I mean? So... You know, maybe if I took better teams and started stronger, maybe I could win up there. Because me, like we walked that Firelord League, it was over like with two weeks to go, and that's the largest team I've ever taken. So I don't know what what counts as elite. I've had a great time playing it since game 100, and I played a lot of different games, and I've enjoyed well, myself throughout. So well, with, I don't know. It's always been a weird conversation for me. Without floating my own ego, even though I do a lot. In 107, we had Queens Park. This is before you could choose any side from anywhere in Europe and it was literally the smallest side on paper in the game. It was the Scottish amateur side and we were able to take it up. I won the UEFA Cup with it. I won three league titles with it. You know, then again, we've had Real Madrid. We've won two, only won two league titles with Real Madrid in 117. It's, you know, some managers like to clear deficit. Other managers like to build. Mark, for argument's sake, you know, Mark has always had a lower ranked side never taken a big Barcelona, Manchester City, Bayern Munich kind of team and always been able to deliver with a Champions League, league titles and everything else as well. So it depends on the... Personally, I think it depends on the manager. How, how, do, you how, feel, how, how do you feel, right? Oh, I, I, we've just gotten onto this conversation. This is, wasn't part of my, my questions, but how do you feel about the, the managers that start with big teams? Yeah and win trophies in season one, right? Because technically, especially in hard format games where it's, you have an advantage, right? Against the lower, lower teams. So do you think that's a skill? Or do you feel that that's a little bit of, there's a lot of luck in that because you start off with a better team, which then allows you to become an elite manager without being an elite manager, if that makes sense? I think if you look at Manchester City in one two one, the level of depth that they had, compared to the level of depth that Real Madrid had in 117, meant he was able to sell a lot more dross to managers that would buy names, want the player that they're going to go and get. I mean, you know, argument's sake, I think it was Claudio Bravo he had. It was like a 9979-88-8908 goalkeeper. Manager slipped up straight away, there's 6 million. You know, that's 6 million off your deficit. But you look at Real Madrid, we had um, Keylor Navas as our goalkeeper. And the next best one was like a 32 PV, which, yes, I sold and I got maximum value for. But, you know, that was only about two and a half million. So the thing is, OK, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that because I think for me, the people in season one in the half format game that should have been disappointed is the likes of Southampton and Everton. They didn't have any of that drama. They had the perfect for me, like Maxi should have almost been pushing for the league with Everton in season one because, OK, yeah, they can clear the debt, but they couldn't do much. Yeah, it took him a few weeks to clear that debt. Like, and you're saying that that Bravo, he would have walked into my Sturmgratz team in Division Four that first season, and for six mil would have been, I would have bit his hand off if I had seen that. You know what I mean? So, for what I was building at Sturmgratz, I mean, Mark started in the same league. Like, Bravo would have walked into probably both our teams. To be fair, so I do get the argument back. So, no, I don't think that. They have a huge advantage. I think the more disappointment would have been on like Southampton's and Everton's that for me had the best of both worlds. They should have been winning the league. 
I think a mid-range team probably is the perfect way to play. Mm. Personally, I mean, we at Benfica. Well, eight, and I hate to say this, but everyone minds me up. But we were eighty-five million down due to the fact that Felix was transferred across when Ben was doing the database, and it wasn't reincorporated into the value because everyone had a, all UE points at face value, all stats and SIs, everything added up to about approximately a billion because he built it from Liverpool and then moved everything down. And we were at 915 million in terms of what we had. So I think, you know, in hindsight, everything can change. You can, it all depends on the mindset and how you play it. But like you said, they should be managers that should be disappointed with what they had and what they squandered. I mean, you look at the deal which involved Greenish going to Manchester City, he got leadership added by a manager that decided he wanted to bring in De Bruyne. You know? But that's there to match and try and merge into values and everything else. Is that a deal that necessarily works? You could question the Foden deal, where Foden left Manchester City for maximum value cash, had potential added four weeks later, he swapped back to Manchester City for Gabriel Jesus. Is that right? Not I mean, necessarily. Greenwich with De Bruyne and Foden no, for I'm... Jesus, that's, that's I'm... pretty fair. But one one second, one second. I'm I'm not I'm not here to, and I don't think this comment. I think this conversation is slightly going left. Yeah, in terms of been, um, uh, in terms of transfers and and what what people have done and everything else. That's that's just... where the conversation is going. Oh. Well, I understand what you're saying, Jay. I do understand. But what what my point was is that to be an elite manager or to even have this conversation and, like Mark said, what is an elite manager anyway? Um. I think I think I'd rather open it up and and see what other people think and and they can post on the Discord and and what is an elite manager. But my my take on it is, what team did you manage? Um, what did you have to do to that team to get to where you are? And then from there, what did you win with that team? And in what season did you win? Because, like I said, my personal opinion: if you start off with a big team. Um, and and I know we're we're sitting here talking about Man City, but if you start off with a big team like that and with with great players that are very close to one hundred away already, um, you you have a slight advantage on teams that might be in the Champions League, like a, a lower team like Lille, for example. Um, they won't they won't start with players of of that type of caliber, and and that's the way that the games. Were, were previously run and obviously with this game everything's more on a level playing field right which which obviously helps in in that aspect but where if we're talking about one two one in specifically or games before that that there's there's an there's an advantage for these teams so, do you and, think, so i think that's why one two two will actually show maybe more my elite than others one two two where the stats and that is up. exactly where I, that's exactly where i was going so that i is... truly believe in this game People that do well in this game should be considered good managers, should be considered the managers that are up there in this game because everyone's on level playing fields. Yeah. There's no excuse. So good managers now are the ones that can buy and sell correctly, you know, and, and improve their teams or use their points correctly and, and improve their team and then can go out by doing those improvements go out and, and win stuff and, and, and show that you can challenge other top managers in your league or in the Cups and, and, and win things. That's my personal opinion. Um, I don't know how, how everyone else feels, but I, I definitely want to hear from, from our listeners and, and, and see what they, they think about that. Um, just, just, to sort of, just before we end the show, um, I just wanted to have like a, a little dive into the, the Eastern... Well, as as Ben likes to call it, the Eastern Eastern um, <laughs> League. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have got your turns open just there, um, but I just wanted to obviously talk about. We'll start off with with the the Premiership, um, which Jay is is currently in. Um, you're, you're still missing a few managers in there. there there's a few spots that that are open. Um, how do you feel this league is in in terms of? competitiveness um jay when when it comes to um to one two two i think if you look at the league table mm. it genuinely sums up how even the league is and a lot of people disregard 
the Eastern League and put it on a stool thinking it's an in subsequent it's in it's not a league that holds any precedence. But if you look at the likes of some of the players that are available in the Eastern League and not disregard it and think about football in general, you've got some world class players that have gone on to have great careers across the board. You look at the um Eastern League, just looking on the AR kind of things. Um in terms of original players, you've got Hakan Sukhena, who was arguably one of the top strikers in Europe for a number of sides, played for Galatasaray. You look at Corkmans, you can look at, you go further down, you've got Robert Posenetsky there at Red Star Belgrade. These are players, and it's a league that's disregarded, but stupidly, because there is so much history in Eastern European football that this is a big game for the Eastern League to actually pick on and show everyone else that it's not just about the Southern League, it's not just about the UK League. If Ben has done the research properly into these teams, which I kind of hope he has, it makes for a far more interesting league. No, and I'm, looking- I'm in full agreement with you. I'm in full agreement with you. I mean, if you just look at the midfielders there, um, you've got you've got Harry Kuehl, you've got Ariel Ortega in there, um, uh, Proninsky, as as you said already, um, Christian Ware, is that Stuart Gratz? Um, uh, you've got uh, Corkmas, that Galatasaray, the defensive side, 81AR just there. Um, there there's when a lot of players. players. If you look in the division below, which is Mark's division, which we'll you've get got Zwanamir Boban. Yep, you've got yep. Zwanamir Boban. You have got um, Berbatov. You have yep. got Zemeletidinov from Locomotive Moscow. These are great players from the past. Igor Tudor is there from Hadrick Split. Slavan Bilic, again at Hadrick Split. Mark, you know all about your Tbilisi players, so obviously you can tell everyone about them. Amongst the attackers, you've got Rod Marsh, who kept wicket for Australia as well. It's pretty impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget, Mark Viduka is is half Croatian, and I think he started his career, if memory serves me correct, at Dynamo Zagreb. It wasn't just a Celtic player that came over from Australia. He was... In the con, he was. Well, on I mean, the, in, everyone in the remembers. Everyone remembers Mark Viduka is a Leeds player, um, more than a more than a Celtic player personally. But um, may, just just looking at the, we'll, we'll go over into the second division as well. But Mark, just going over to you, like how how do you feel? Obviously, you're missing a few managers in in your league as well. Um, do you feel that that is because it's the Eastern League and everyone just goes to the teams that they know? And they they don't really go towards the eastern side. Well, yeah, and understandably so. I mean, we're all British, with with the exception. I think we've got one player from Australia and one from based in Norway or something like that. And uh, everybody's going to want to grab their local side to to a certain extent. Teams where you know the players. I mean, if you look through any of those sides, if you pointed at random and you said, "All right, we've got Shakhtar Donetsk." Most of their former players are not legends. And the whole idea of a legends game is you get a team full of players who are familiar to you, names you can work with. So I understand why the Eastern and the Northern Leagues are always going to be less popular. But the fact of the matter is with these games, it doesn't matter what you start with. The team is only a name. You'll change all of those players within a few short weeks. You'll be trying to compete to get, you know, your Cruyffs and your Maradonas, etc., into the side, and everyone will hope to end up with a side that's completely unrecognisable. There's, there's no. I would much rather in this game take Dino Moscow were free in the top division in the Eastern League than a team in Division Four in England. Yeah, I, I, see, I, I'm, I'm slightly on on both sides there. Um, I the, the, a bigger reason why I join the leagues that are competitive, like the Southern and the UK league, is because of I know season five six is still going to be quite full and it's still going to be quite competitive. That's the way that I look at it from the outside in. It's not based on the team itself, um, and that's what worries me when I because it, there's teams in the Eastern League that I would fully manage, like Besiktas is a Turkish team that I support. Um, I, I would manage Zenit and Shakhtar Donetsk and, and Dynamo Moscow and, and, and teams like that because I know the players that, that played for them previously and, and, and things like that from, from growing up. But my, my take is the league is not full now. 
it's great that Ben is doing the the hundred pound thing for three seasons and 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 trying to get uh, additional managers in there. Um, but my thing is, after three seasons, what happens? That's that's my worry when it when it comes to managing in those leagues. But then it's a case of I understand that, like you said, everyone wants their hometown team and they want to turn Hereford or Nottingham Forest or Charlton or West Ham into Champions League winners. And this is, yes, it's fantasy football. But I think the only thing I will say, which is maybe where Ben may be a bit off more than he could chill. I know Ben likes everything like a square or like a cube. I would personally have reduced it down to two divisions for the Eastern League and two divisions for the Northern League rather than have a plethora of teams that are going to sit there. But if, it, if the game mechanics work better in a four-division format, bearing in mind he's written this into the game and he needs it so that everything tallies up, then obviously, unfortunately, it's got to stay. I'm hoping that these sides, when people do get to the... Um, like you said, when it gets to that turn 10, everyone or those that want to take a second team take a second team. I just hope these sides don't get stripped. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Me too, 100%. Because it's nice to be, it's nice to play a little bit of realism and look into the distant past of the players that you're up against and the players at the beginning of their careers, like I said, with Kozanecki or Biduka or whoever. You know, I can't pronounce half. Listen, I'm just excited. I've, I've got Roy Wegley and Savo Milosevic up front. I'm living. I'm living my best life. I don't care. <laughs> well, I've got look. a go for a season. Wegley's been amazing. Um, he was. He's great. I always enjoyed watching Roy Wegley as a kid. Uh, Milosevic, because you know, I always want a target man option. Yeah, but yeah, to, to have those. But it's weird. The fanboy in me quickly died off because I even swapped out Chris Powell this week to get like a decent young left winger. And as a full Charlton fan, swapping out Chris Powell without batting an eyelid or thinking about it was tough, you know? It would have been tough like the first couple of weeks, but all of a sudden the UE side of me is kicking in and I'm like, actually, I need to improve this squad elsewhere and Powell is quite expendable, you know, as a player. So, yeah. It's always useful to have Martin as a feeder club, isn't it? Hey, he, he, he went to Bayern Munich. I got Meyer. I got Meyer from. I'm only just, just, just in regards to that, um, just want to add that it is official. Um, as of turn ten, myself, Daryl, and Terry will all be joining Division Four of the Eastern League, um, and and taking on the team that we have no idea who the fuck they are, and we have no idea what players is going to be there. Um, and we may have to add some little bit of, I don't know, there's going to have to be some rules put in there. And I think maybe I might even go down the route, Daryl, of of not being able to buy any players from anyone bar the transfer list Ooh. or scouts. Ooh. So we can't actually do any deals because there, there will be advantages there, wouldn't there? Because obviously Terry has got friends with, with the Amir crew and everything else. And I've got my own friends and you've got yours and, you know, and and then you might be able to bring in a player or loan a player or do some stuff. So I don't know. I, I think we're going to have to talk about it, but we might need to add some rules. And again, we'll open it up to the floor. Um, if anyone, if anyone has any good rules that they would like to add um, that me, Terry and Daryl are not allowed to do um, when taking on these teams, do let us know. Um, Tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a suggestion straight from the bat. Why don't you have it where you can only buy players from the nationality of the club that you manage? If it wasn't a Legends game, I'd be all for that. Uh, and and so and so would I. And if it wasn't the Easter League, because I that's did that in '99. I did that with FC Cologne in '99. It was Germany, so yeah, that's what I mean. It. Like if it was German or English or something, I probably <laughs> would have gone for it, but. I think being Eastern region is going to be a little bit more difficult, um, but not a bad suggestion. Um, look, guys, Mark Roan, uh, Jay, thank you very, very much for jumping on today. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, I hope you found it quite insightful. I, I, I did. I think some of the points that you guys brought up were, were was really, really good. Um, and again, thank you. Really do appreciate it. Not a problem at all. Thank you for listening to me again. <laughs> Yeah, and thank you for making me listen to him again. <laughs> <laughs> no, appreciate. Yeah, do appreciate you both coming on. That's as I say, like 
you know, there's some managers that you want to have a good chat with about UE. Um, and obviously you guys are on that list for me, you know, so yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, same. Um, this has been another great episode. Thank you guys for listening. Please make sure that you drop your comments onto the Discord in regards to some of the discussions that we've had today. And we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.